So glad that you joined us today at Hope. In fact, I'm an encouraged person this morning. One is, uh, Pastor Jim mentioned this, but that on a Wednesday night, we have, I think it's 130 kids signed up for our Easter egg extravaganza. Uh, that sounds like fun, doesn't it? Some of you are like, I'm in, let's go. So uh, I'm excited about that. And we're, we're also grateful for the Lord's ongoing provision for our Hope church family, and I'm excited to see what God's going to do as we anticipate Easter and that outdoor service. That's going to be a blast. Are you guys in? Are you guys going to join us and you're going to invite friends to join us? I think that will be a treat uh, to be able to be together. Um, one of the things that also has encouraged me over this last month is that I've had a number of people who've reached out to me, a kind of surprising number that have reached out and they've said, hey, I'm embarrassed uh, because I haven't been to church over the last year. And whether it's that some have joined us online, like, hey, let's be honest, like most of us before this, we'd never even had done church online before, right? Uh, you raise your hand, a few of you are like, I would have never even thought about that. And we're so grateful for the technology that's given us the ability to, to worship together in that way. And we're so thankful for those of you who are joining us this morning. But, but I want to also recognize that for some, there's a bit of an embarrassment associated with coming back. And, and I've had that question asked, like, you know, and hey, good news, we haven't been taking attendance, which is great. And, you know, there, there might be someone who's sitting in your seat, um, and so just sit somewhere else. But, but we're, we're super thankful for the fact that that's how it works. And I, I'll just... I had one of those, you guys can relate to this, I know you can, I had one of those ongoing nightmares, you know the one that's like when you're at school and you have the test and you didn't study for it at all, some of you know what I'm talking, no? Okay, a few of you know what I'm talking about, but I had one of those when it came to preaching when I was in college, and I had been elected the freshman student body chaplain for the freshman class, and so I'm in at Cedarville University, I'm in this gymnasium with about 750 students, and I stood in front of the group to get ready to preach, and I just realized I was completely unprepared for that moment. And, and some of you who've in, been through that dream, maybe you can relate to this, but I just had this moment when I thought, what am I doing here? And I think I was supposed to preach for like a half hour, I think, talked for about 10 minutes, and then I, I left, I was supposed to close in prayer. And I remember as I walked out of the gymnasium in Cedarville that day, I remember saying, I kind of had my Lieutenant Dan moment with God, I'm like, I'm never going back. I'm never preaching again. Uh, in fact, I had my transfer in line, maybe to like Wright State University that's around the corner there or something like that. I, I'm like, all right, I'm never going back because of the fact that I was embarrassed, honestly, because I felt shame and there was a part of all of that. And I just want to tell you, I'm so glad I went back, you know? I'm so glad that God still had more work for me, and he wanted to challenge me and convict me and encourage me. And, and so I, I love that we get to like give out a free pass on this one, right? Like that this has been a year where we just stand back and we just say, Lord, what are you doing? Would you do it again, right? And so we have gathered together today to say, it's so sweet to trust in Jesus, right? That, that we have work to be done. In fact, I want to invite you, if you have your Bibles, to turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 2. And today as we study God's word together, one of the things that we're going to see 
is that God's word's going to be pretty clear in the fact that we are blessed to be people who stand in a generation, in a line of a generation of people who've entrusted this precious faith of the Lord Jesus Christ from one generation to the next. And today, you and I have the responsibility and the privilege of being recipients of that message. And the question for each one of us is, what are we going to do with it, Right? So the Apostle Paul looks at his young student, his Padawan, his, his man that he's invested into. Can I say Padawan in church? Is that okay? I might have gotten in, might get in trouble for that. But okay, so you get the idea though, right? Like that he's been invested in and he has, in, he has lived out this idea of follow me as I follow Christ, right? That's what the Apostle Paul did for Timothy. And as a church family, some of you weren't here last week or maybe you missed the the, the message last week, but Pastor Jim and Linda, his precious wife, who've been so woven into the fabric of our Hope Church family, have shared with us that they're planning on retiring in the near future. And, and for many of us, we heard that message. I, I like that. I, I love that. I communicated to you last week. Like I was kind of in denial for like a year over this when we talked about it last year. But as we think about what it's like to be in a church where the leader, a leader that's played such an important part of our life, a person who was a part of the fabric of the church, or maybe even why you began being a part of it, them not being here, that emotion inside of us can be one of disappointment, discouragement. And, and here what we see with the Apostle Paul to Timothy is that what he's saying to you is, it's your turn now that you've been invested in, that, that I have poured into your life. And, and it wasn't that the Apostle Paul was Christ. There's no confusing that. And, and when we think, one of the things that we celebrate with the gift of Jim and Linda is that they have declared to us, follow me as I follow Christ. And that's awesome, isn't it? Like, follow me as I follow Christ. And so what we get to do in our historical faith is that when Jesus modeled for us what it means to live well and to finish well, that truth has been passed on from generation to generation. And, and, I, and I'm going to guess that you're like me. Nobody wants to be the person to drop the baton, right? You guys will remember that some of you watched the Olympics several years ago in the 2008 Beijing Olympics. And um, this, this was, um, you might recognize these two incredible athletes, Tyson Gay and, and Darvis Patton you know that they were favored to win. And I, I can't help but relate, like this last picture on the screen, you look at it and you just, oh no, right? Like everyone who's had their grocery bags filled with too much stuff and it's exploded, they know that emotion, right? That's just a, a hint of it. When it's multiplied as they see their Olympic dreams kind of fall to the ground. And, and, and today, as we talk about the Apostle Paul's investment in Timothy and saying, hey, it's your turn now that, that you've been invested in. And Timothy, I want to, you to pick up the responsibility that I've placed in your hands. What's beautiful about it is that Timothy receives it. And this transition allows the gospel of Christ to have continued on 2,000 years later. You and I are recipients of a group of individuals who said, follow me as I follow Christ. Isn't that incredible? Isn't that powerful? But I'm gonna warn you, this is convicting this morning because the conviction comes when the way that the Apostle Paul teaches us in this is he's not just saying, recognize that there have been people who've gone before you who've been faithful, but he's also gonna to say to us, it's your turn now. 
And in that process, he's going to say to us, this is how you do it. You follow Christ. You, you, you learn from him. You, you receive this and you pass it on. In fact, if you have your Bibles and you've turned with me to 2 Timothy chapter 2, we're going to pick up in verse 1 as Paul challenges his young believer. You've been blessed with faithful leaders that have gone before you. It's your turn now. He says this in 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 1. You then, my child. You know that, that statement is so personal and it's helpful for us to know that the Apostle Paul and Timothy shared no blood. They were not blood relatives. He's, he's saying something that's incredible. He's saying, spiritually, you are my spiritual child. And I am encouraging you that it's time for you, next generation, to step up to what God has for you. Be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. If you want to know how to do this, that's where the successful recipient of the gospel is going to thrive. They've received grace from God, right? This has been personal. This is authentic and real. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, there's nothing to be ashamed of here. Entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others. This passage begins and helps us to, to begin the first point this morning is we follow those who go before us as they follow Christ. I love that, that picture that's on the screen, the image there. You see that track that's back there? It just keeps going, right? You don't know where the finish line is. Isn't that a great piece of art, whoever invented this? That's the way our lives work, right? We don't know when the actual finish line is going to be. In fact, we're going to see later in chapter four, the apostle Paul is going to basically say, I've finished the race. I've completed the task. I've competed well. But, but you and I don't know what the end of this process is. And by the way, retirement does not end our ability to bring glory and honor to the Lord. In fact, it's opened doors for opportunities for some to share the gospel even more, Right? So we look at this and we say, we follow those who before us have declared that they um, have followed the Lord Jesus Christ. And hey, by the way, Jesus taught us how to do this really well, didn't he? Do you remember that Jesus taught us how to finish well as well in his humble obedience that he says, not my will, but thine to the God of the universe and the triune beauty of him submitting to the leadership there, or to ultimately say to those who are persecuting him, those who are crucifying him to say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. The baton that the apostle Paul received from Christ is the same baton that you and I receive from Christ. Jesus taught us how to follow well. And in his constant obedience, he taught us how to rely on the Lord, how to do so with joy, to care for the least of these, to, to understand that death is not the final, final chapter of our lives, but instead it's a comma anticipating the resurrection that we can have in the presence of the living God. I want to pause here for a moment and, and, and clarify that when Paul wrote these words to Timothy, this would have been a really hard day because Paul loved Timothy and you know what? Timothy really loved Paul. In fact, transitions, if we're honest, are really difficult. It's difficult to be the people leaving. I promise you that. 
It's difficult to be the people who are left behind. I can remember when it comes to church, my parents are still at the same church that, that I grew up in. They've been there for over 50 years. And my brothers are older than I am. Two of my brothers are. And I have one that's seven years older and five years older. And they had a youth pastor that they just adored in their church. His name was Tony Plummer. And he's a, an awesome guy. They did all these. So you guys know he's older. And so I'm listening to all of the events and things that they're doing. And then the year that I was about to be old enough to be in the youth group, he took a senior pastor position in Florida. And so for the next eight years, there would not be a full-time youth pastor at that church. Now I was the kid who was like, I can't wait to be in the youth group. And then what do you mean they're going to change the rules? You know? And I remember that feeling. And in some ways, that feeling is the same one that our students, when we were in Southern California, we were there for eight years serving as a senior high youth pastor. Let me tell you, uh, as a senior high youth pastor, you get to go to a lot of grad parties. Uh, in fact, in my life, I've eaten a lot of sheet cake. I can just tell you that much. But, but, but one of the things that, that happened there is we, we loved celebrating students launching. They were leaving and graduating, not, not because we didn't like them, but we, we cheered them on. But when we announced our transition, I tell you, it's hard to be the people left behind. It's also hard to be the leavers. When we announced our transition there, I had this, this letter that a young person wrote me about how I was ruining their life, you know? And, and I understand what she's saying. I mean, felt that same emotion at times. But but, so when Paul would have written these words to Timothy, Timothy received these with a, we say bittersweet. I don't know where the sweet part is at this point. It's discouraging, right? Like what's going to happen? I don't know what it's going to feel like. How, how is it going to go? But, but what he's saying to Timothy is so important for us this morning is that he's saying to Timothy that we can do this because of the fact that we're going to continue on stepping up to pick up the very thing that fueled Paul's ministry, and that was his obedience to Christ, right? So you're not left alone. You're not abandoned. Instead, what the question is, is are you going to be a person who follows in obedience to those who've gone before us that have been faithful? So I want to celebrate this morning the faithfulness of Pastor Jim and Linda Garber. They have been a rock for our church through the last decade of the history of Hope Church. And, and I have a favor to ask you. One of the things that they did when we transitioned from our church in California or in the Bahamas, uh, somebody had heard somewhere that Allie and I really liked steak and lobster. All right. And so every house that we went to, they served a steak and this giant Bahamian lobster. It was awesome. Uh, but at some point we had so much lobster that uh, Allie, like when our host would get up, she'd like, like brush it off to my plate. Okay. So I have a favor to ask you. I don't know what Jim and Linda like. Maybe it's like Brussels sprouts or something. But, but make sure that in this transition time period, you take them out and you bless them. Actually, God, God's word talks about faithful leaders. And it says that we ought to give them double honor. And I want to just, we're going to throw a party and may join us for the party. Let's share testimonies of faithfulness of their ministry. And I know this is so uncomfortable. You're like, stop it, right? I know you, I know you well enough. But, but, but actually part of that like stop it part is that I think that there's this understanding that it's always been about bringing glory to the Lord, right? So we do celebrate a faithful pair of ministers that have served the Lord faithfully here. And we do ask ourselves, what's it going to be like without, who knows what it's going to be like. But what the Lord has asked each of us to do is to, the next verse, verse number three of 2 Timothy chapter two, it says, share 
in the suffering as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. That, that doesn't quite sound like a great sales pitch, does it? If you're trying to recruit leaders, hey, share in the suffering. <laughs> it's going to be really hard. In fact, in the next few verses, he's going to describe what it means to be a faithful soldier, that a soldier competes according to the commanding officer's commands. He's going to talk about a farmer and the hard work and labor that's associated with a farmer. And he's going to talk about an athlete competing according to the rules. This, this is something that I think we've confused today. And that is, in order to finish well, it requires a lot of work and obedience and challenges, and it's difficult, and it comes at a cost. But what the Lord has said to each one of us is, it's your turn now. It's your privilege now. I'm asking you to step up to the plate to obey and honor. So Timothy would have said, are you kidding me? If we could have talked to him, I know he would have said that. But, but the Apostle Paul's response back is, it is because of the fact that we're sharing in this with Jesus Christ. So, so in the picture of the passing of a baton, I, I, I never ran, uh, yeah, big surprise, right? I was uh, never, never um, you know, involved in a relay race. Um, but, but there's this incredible moment when you watch it, when it's done well, that the baton is actually in both people's hands. You guys know what I'm talking about? So there's this moment when it's actually there. And, and I think this is what we get to glimpse to see in the text is the Apostle Paul's still engaged in Timothy's life. He's still encouraging him. They're both carrying this burden together. And ultimately, it's going to be a clean handoff. And praise the Lord, 2,000 years later, you and I know the gospel partially because of the faithfulness of leaders like Timothy who received the spiritual baton and passed it on that were that individuals that were faithful to the task that was before them. I, some of you will make fun of me. I, I grew up loving Stephen Curtis Chapman. Anybody? Nobody? Okay. Some of you are like, who's that? Uh, but he, uh, he sang this song that as a kid, I grew up singing that um, the, the lyric goes, it's my turn now. Yes, it's my turn now. It's my turn to give my life away. You guys heard that lyric before? That, that song is, it resonates with me as a, as a person who's had people who've gone before him that have been so faithful, men and women who've poured into my life and that I stand back and I say, thank the Lord for you. And the thought of not having you be here forever is devastating for me. But then to hear that other statement that it's your turn now, share in the suffering of the good, good soldier of Christ Jesus. That's what he's asked for us. So, so here this description leads to the second point this morning, and that is our mission is not accomplished until we breathe our final breath. Our mission is not accomplished until we breathe our final breath. Retirement does not mean that we are done Retirement does not justify us being unengaged and uninvolved. I know that that's not the plan for Pastor Jim and Linda. That they're saying, Lord, what do you have next for us? Where are we going? How are we going to serve you? And you know them well enough that that's what they're going to continue to do. And for each one of us, as we receive this, some of you are saying, I'm old. That's somebody else's job. I'm, I, I graduate. I'm, that's somebody else's responsibility. Somebody else who has a degree. Someone else who has experienced this. And I, I just love these words. Pick up with me in verse 8 
of 2 Timothy chapter 2, he says this, remember Jesus Christ risen from the dead. That sounds an awful lot like Easter, right? And remember, when we celebrate the resurrection of Christ, we anticipate theologically our own resurrection of the body. The offspring of David as preached in my gospel for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal, but the word of God is not bound. You know what he's saying here? He said, I've suffered for the sake of the gospel. In fact, right now, as I write these words to you, Timothy, I'm suffering for the gospel. And guess what? It's totally worth it. And guess what? There's nothing that anyone can do. No government can make laws that stop the authority of God's word from being effective. You guys know that, right? That some of us are living in fear of something that, that I understand the concerns that you look at the freedoms that we've been blessed with. And I join you in them. I celebrate those freedoms. But the gospel has, has overcome anything that man has tried to do to stop it. You guys understand that, right? So historically, when we read these words, I love, look, look what it says. It says, there's nothing that can keep this from being bound that the word of God is not bound. Exclamation point. I added that there myself. The exclamation point. <laughs> Verse 10. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they may also obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. So until my last breath... I want to keep this going. I want to get this right. I want to keep declaring the truth of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. These are all words that the apostle Paul declared. And I think it's, it's sad for me to know that for some people that they have chosen to say, yeah, that's somebody else's job. Yeah, that's, that's their responsibility. We, we hired somebody for that job, right? The, the church doesn't work that way. That's not the way the apostle Paul describes Timothy's responsibility and in fact, uh, what he's saying there is in order to obey the Lord, what it means for us is to be people who receive the message and transfer the message, but it comes at a cost. It says this in verse 11. He says, this, this saying is trustworthy. For if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we've died with Christ, we'll also live with Christ. That, this is an all-in kind of challenge. Let, let's go. Like, you can't be halfway on this. So Paul here shares with us the how. How did he remain faithful? How did he finish well? How, did he, how does he intend to stay fed steadfast until the end? And he says this in verse 12. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. That... That makes me shake when I read it. I'm just tell you, the, the people today who are being flippant about obedience to the Lord or somehow walking away or denying their faith, like this, this description is frightening to me. He says, if we are faithless, he still remains faithful because he cannot deny himself. Skip ahead to verse 15. Do your best to present yourself. You guys know this, that those of you who are part of Awana, this is the, um, the Awana verse. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. You know what grieves me is that there are some people, in fact, he's gonna go ahead and name them in this section of scripture. They're gonna stop believing this. 
There's gonna be people who, when the going gets difficult, they're just gonna give up. And, and it, it, oops, uh, <laughs> the, uh, that there's gonna be people who uh, drop the baton, right? Um, and, and when they do, it shouldn't shock us. In fact, it shouldn't allow us to justify giving up ourselves. But instead, what it ought to do is it ought to do what it, we see in the Apostle Paul's words, like, don't give up. Like, this isn't time. There's more work to be done. Our responsibility is in front of us. So do your, your best with everything you've got. You got this to present yourself to God as one approved. This is someone who's proven themselves faithful to the task that God has set before them. Hey, these sad stories, in fact, in the text, it names some of them by name. They shouldn't be... Uh, able to eclipse the hundreds and thousands of stories of faithful men and women who've gone before us. Can we, can we agree to that? That the, the sad stories that make headlines and discourage us and frustrate us, even people with titles like I have, that, that we don't find ourselves standing back and just going, oh yeah, that's, that's my excuse for chucking my faith. That's, it's a lousy excuse. We were warned that this was going to happen. In fact, it's important for us to remember. He, he knows us so well. I love God's word for its knowledge of us. In verse 22, he warns the younger Timothy. We don't know how young he was. He's probably in his 30s. So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness. This is, this is kind of that price of admission in order to be able to be someone who follows and serves the Lord faithfully. And I, I want to just remind you that you and I live in a sex-saturated culture. It's okay to say sex in church, I promise. That, you guys are like, I don't know if it's okay. Is it okay? <laughs> yeah. But, but we, live, we live in a sex-saturated culture. Now, as a church family, we're going to talk through this year, First and Second Corinthians, where it talks about like, just immorality that's kind of all around the church. And one of the things that's devastating is that for some, that there's just been this, been this small incorporating of the values of the culture. Like, that it just becomes normal for us. Everybody does. This is just how we... And so when it creeps into the church, what it does is it, it's a cancer that erodes the foundation of our ability to look and say, hey, that's not who we are. That's who they are. And, I, and hey, by the way, ask them how they're doing with it. I'm serious. Like, ask them how fulfilling and sad, like, what, what is the end result of a lifestyle that ignores God's truth about our human sexuality? It's, it's devastating, isn't it? And for some of us, he uses this word flee, and it's really important for us to remember this. And in the Bahamas, they had this awesome slide when we lived there. We loved it. It was the, called the leap of faith, and it was like this straight down water slide. And, and I, I've always thought about this, like the person who doesn't flee temptation is like the person who gets halfway down that water slide, and they decide they don't want to be on that water slide anymore, right? Okay, so I'm just going to hit the brakes, and I'm going, you know it's not going to happen, Right? And so his description here is, don't get on it. You know, don't, don't, don't flirt with it. Don't play around with it. It's going to destroy you. So he says, flee. Flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness. And he tells us, put that off and put this on. This is what he says. Faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Again, you get to join the chorus of others 
who are faithful. I think this is why community and doing church together and things is so important. One of the things that gets lost when we're not together is accountability and the ability for us to lift one another up and to encourage one another. It says, join in the group of people who are trying to do this the way you are. 23, he says this. This is so relevant today. Have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. Hey, can you think of a few of those these days? Foolish, ignorant controversies. He doesn't say spend half of your time worrying about them, right? He doesn't say spend your afternoons trying to correct other. Hey, I have people who reach out to me who say to me, I wish that you stood up more and from the pulpit communicated more about fill in the blank. And some of these, I'm not talking about biblical things. I'm talking about your opinion, your preference. I get it. I get it often, actually. And I want you to see what the Apostle Paul challenged Timothy as to how he ought to. He says, I have nothing to do with these things. You know that they breed quarrels, confrontate challenges that are unhelpful. And then he says, and the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach patiently enduring evil. You guys, that's my job description. That's your job description as well as a Christ follower. And that's really hard to do. Actually, after the first service, I had multiple people come up and they're like, that's hard, you know? <laughs> and, I, and I completely agree. That's hard, but that's what the job description is. And it says this then in verse 25, it says, correcting his opponents with gentleness. That's people you disagree with. God may perhaps grant them repentance leading to a knowledge of the truth and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil. I sit with people sometimes that I love that have walked away from the faith and the image of a millstone tied around their neck and tossed to the depths of the sea scares me to death. I, I grieve, I fear the disqualification of faithfulness in ministry. I fear it. But when I read this, I say, Lord, would you spare them? Would you give them an escape? And then this, this, this web of deceit that Satan is so good at. After being captured by him, the him there is Satan. By be, after being captured by him to do his will. When we studied the book of Acts together, one of the things that stood out to me, I really enjoyed that study with you all. One of the things that really stood out to me in that process was the fact that there are men and women who have associated with the name of Christ and who are actually used by Satan to do great evil. That they actually are mouthpieces of lies and, and declarers of false, false truths. And, and it breaks my heart. And I just want to say, like, I don't want to do that. I want to draw that line in the sand and say, I want to have nothing to do with that in my own life. I want to be somebody who understands what it means to avoid being captured by the deceitful schemes by him who wants us to do his will. That's Satan, right? Steal, kill, devour. That's what he's in the business of, right? But what's great about it is the Apostle Paul later in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, gets to kind of stand on the podium. And uh, this is complicated because he's about to, to lose his life for the sake of the gospel. He believes he's in his last breaths. Uh, uh, that he's breathing his last air into his lungs. And he says this in 2 Timothy chapter 4. Uh, it's marked wrong there, but set verse 7. It says this, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race and I have kept the faith. 
It reminds me of the teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ in Matthew 25 when he talks about the, the parable of the talents and that there were individuals that had had much given to them and others more given to them. And in that declaration of honor, I just love these words that, that the master who sees the one who invested the talents, in other words, they received it and they pressed into it and they chose to be faithful to the end. That it says this, well done. Would this be able to be said about each one of us? Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little and I will set you over much. And then isn't this the best part? For those of you who love to worship God, who love to honor him with your life, the last words that he says there is, now enter into the joy of your master. <laughs> That's why we worship. That's what it means, right? You guys with me? Uh, it's incredible, isn't it? This description. So obedience isn't perfection. It doesn't mean we always get it right. I'm sure for some of us, you're like me, you listen to this and you're like, man, I, I haven't always picked it up. I've, I haven't always gotten it right. I've, I've dropped the, 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 the baton in, in its own time. In fact, you guys might remember this historically in the 2016 Rio Olympics that our women's um, four by 100 relay team were in the semifinals. They were favored to win the gold. And again, the story of another drop. In fact, if you look closely at the picture, you can see the baton back on the ground back there, right? It's, it's tragic. Like you can just see the emotion in her face. It was a, a painful, painful moment as Allison Felix attempted to hand off to English Gardner the baton. But, but there's this moment. Some of you will remember this. There's this great moment in, in history where, where all the other runners have gone on and uh, finished the race. And... And um, Allison says to, to the other athlete, she says, she says to her, like, we gotta, we gotta finish. And so um, Gardner eventually picks up the baton and she runs by herself. She finishes way after everybody else was done. And then what ended up happening is that they, they reviewed and they found that there was a fault that had happened. The Brazil team was in their lane and, and they ended up being able to run again on their own. There was a, a, a time trial that was done and then ended up getting to race in the finals and they received the gold. And I just, I just love that description. I, I think for every one of us, there's that moment where like, what have we done, right? Like there's that moment like, oh, this is somebody else. Ah, ah. But then at that moment, when you experience the restoration and also the ability for the Lord to say, hey, I got more work for you. There's more work to be done. The, the job's not finished yet. And so for each one of you, I want to apply this to our truth. So the Lord Jesus said to him who has been given much, what does he say? as much as is expected. So for each one of you, it doesn't, it doesn't have to just be about Jim and Linda. It could be like, I hope that you have a lifetime of people, maybe believing family members, friends and family, parents, whoever it is that has invested in your life for the sake of the gospel. I hope it's a, I hope it's a, 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 a tapestry of people who've poured into your life that way. I hope it's a bunch. But to reflect on who those people are, and for you to stand back and for you to say, what does it mean for me to be that person now? Just, I'll just share with you. After the first service, I had multiple conversations with people who said, you know what? I just understand that, that I've been watching. I've been waiting for someone else to do this. And I'm just accepting that this, it's my turn now. It's my, my responsibility. I, I want you to evaluate in your own hearts and lives. Like, how is it that people like Jim and Linda have invested in your life? And what have they done? 
And, and I'll just ask you humbly, like, what does it mean for you to be that person in the life of someone else? I think that's exactly the same emotion that the Apostle Paul wanted Timothy to do. He, he wanted him to say, oh man, there's nobody else left. It's my job. It's my turn now. I think if we do that, I think that we will be able to join in with those who've gone before us that have, have ran this winding race that we don't know when it will end. We can't take anything for granted. But what we can do is we can long for the declaration of the one who sent us on the mission from the beginning to be able to say, well done. I think that's what he's asked of us. And so I'm going to ask you to join me in bowing and in, in, in closing this time. And we're going to sing a song to wrap this service up. But I want to just challenge you to ask yourself the question, what is it, Lord, that you've poured into my life? What is it, Lord, that you're asking me to do, whether it's for, on behalf of the next generation or whether it's on behalf of my family or whatever it is? I don't know what's next, but Lord, what does it mean for me to not drop the baton that you've placed in my life? Lord, we love you and we thank you for the fact that we can celebrate faithfulness of those who've gone before us. I thank you that Timothy received this message from the Apostle Paul and as he humbly said to Timothy, hey, follow me as I follow Christ. And that there have been generations and generations, hundreds and thousands of people who've received the message of the gospel and who've faithfully entrusted it on to the next generation out of obedience and at times in shackles for the sake of the gospel. I pray for each one of us, Lord, that you would apply that sanctified, holy pressure that you place on us, that you, you share with us, it's our turn now, that it's our responsibility, our privilege to co-labor and to join you in what you're doing. And Lord, I thank you that it's never been about us. It's never been about our glory. It's never been about even our story, but it's been about your ongoing advancement to bring hope to a dark world that desperately needs it. We love you. We accept as a church family that the mission is not accomplished. In Jesus' precious and holy name we pray. Amen.